This is the sermon from Reverend Dr. Bob John, pastor of Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We hope you are blessed with this message today. If you are seeking a church family, we are located at 242 Boston Road. Our worship services are at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. May God bless you and your family this day and give you peace. Good morning. So the gospel message today comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. You can find it in your um, Pew Bibles on page 80 in the New Testament portion. And please stand if you're able for the reading of the gospel. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leopards, lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. But when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Betsy, for your reading. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be accepted on thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was young, I grew up in the countryside. Our church was literally surrounded by endless rice fields and, and vegetable gardens. Growing up as a kid, you know, we did not have any entertainment like a sports leagues at the school in the town, so our church parking lot became the center of the, the town entertainment. As many kids, they came together and played. So when I was in elementary school, I brought my classmates, we played baseball at the church in parking lot, and I cannot count how many windows of the church I broke with that baseball. And I was the pitcher, and I remember throwing the ball, and the ball going to the wrong direction, and hitting and breaking the wonderful looking glass that just, trust committee that just installed like a week ago. And two or three others screaming, and coming out of the you know, church in the middle of worship service and trying to find who was the, master, was the mastermind or the culprit behind all this, and I would shout, run! <laughs> <laughs> it was a small country church, but you know, our youth group was just vibrant. It was vibrant with over 40 children. 
These young people gather to worship every Saturday evening. We often share the meal together at the church, and sometimes we would hear some rumor that someone is dating someone, which was not a lot for me because I was a pastor's kid in the church. But in the midst of all this like, wonderful joy and playfulness and gatherings of the young people going on, there was a young boy living across the street from the church who always seemed at distance. He was always alone, playing by himself. One day I saw him going, on, going into the woods with an air rifle, maybe trying to shoot some quails and birds. It was very unusual for a teenage boy my age to have an air rifle and to allowed to have something like that. So I asked my parents about this strange boy and, and my parents told me that, oh, he's a boy with leukemia. He often missed the school. He didn't have that many friends to hang out with. I mean, no one told us not to hang out with this boy, but somehow there's always invisible wall between him and the rest of the kids in that town. I wonder, at some point in your life, you experience some illness or maybe just sickness and you felt extremely alone. You know, we might think that someone is ill, that we think that they're automatically surrounded by their families and friends who care about them. But interestingly, when people are sick, they often feel more lonely, lonelier than ever. The Fault in Our Stars is a novel that tells a story about uh, Hazel Grace, a 16-year-old girl with thyroid cancer, which later becomes lung cancer. She knows that she does not have that long enough in her life, and you know she's not alone because she has her parents or doctors who care about her. She even sits at the coffee shop and with the crowd they're coming in and out but she is extremely alone, feels alone, that no one knows what she's going through. The whole life is all about doctor's appointments, eight prescription drugs three times every day, watching reality shows all day long, and, and the worst, she says, is to go to the support group. You know, I had a Bible study this past Thursday, and some women expressed their loneliness when they had their first children or their babies. Of course, our children are blessing. You know, we are supposed to rejoice in the blessing in our new addition to our family, and the people surrounding us always tell us, oh, that's a wonderful yeah, baby. But women, especially, they feel often left alone as their husbands go to work, and they are the one to nurse their the children and stay with them all day long. And their babies cry, asking for milk, 
They're crying, asking their diapers to be changed. Sometimes they're sick and we have no idea what is going on with the other babies. And struggling with the lack of sleep, leading to chronic fatigue. Many mothers, they feel alone, often wrestling with postpartum depression. Their body is still recovering from giving a birth to their children, but they feel sad. They feel anxious, tired, and worst of all, they often feel lonely, feeling abandoned. And the Gospel of Luke tells us there is a group of people in Jesus' time who felt lonely. These people had a leprosy or skin disease. A month ago, there was some concern about growing number of patients with a leprosy, also uh, known as Hansen's disease in Florida. I wonder when you heard the word like a leprosy, leprosy, like, that's like a, that's some kind of disease, like a disease like back in Jesus' time, like a, what's happening? Thankfully, the health organization tells us that it's not something to worry about. I mean, it's just, it's just more like endemic at this point, confined to a certain part in the region. But the biblical scholars tell us that the leprosy mentioned in the Bible is not the same as leprosy today. The leprosy mentioned in the Bible often occurred in the fabrics like our clothing and houses, displaying green or red spots. But people with leprosy suffered a wide variety of skin disease. Once people were found to have leprosy, they were considered not just physically sick, but also ritually clean, unclean. Anyone who came in contact with these lepers were also considered unclean. So according to the, the Hebrew Bible, Leviticus, God gave a certain instruction how to deal with the leprosy. The fabrics infected with the leprosy should be burned. The building materials that came into contact with the leprosy also need to be um, discarded outside the habitation. Anyone who entered a leprous house had to bathe in the water. But the person with the leprosy was driven out of their houses and their community. They were excluded so that they would not spread their disease to others. They were cast out because leprosy was also considered as punishment for their sin against God. Imagine not just the physical pain, but also the pain of being separated from the family, friends, or neighbors. As you know that my family had uh, COVID this past January. You know, one, it was a Friday, Daniel came home from school and he was kind of complaining about the fever and some not feeling well and pain. So, so we brought him, I brought him to the clinic to be seen by a doctor, being suspicious, yeah, he might have a COVID. We were both wearing our mask and he would lean toward me and say, Daddy, Please hug me, I'm not feeling well. So what should I do? Should I say, Daniel, you might have the virus, stay away from me. 
keep the social distancing between you and me. <clears throat> but without thinking twice, I held in my arms, trying to comfort him. Daniel, you're going to be okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm here for you. It's going to be okay. Of course, if you are immunocompromised person, maybe it's hard to do that, but you know, relatively being healthy, I held him in my arms and trying to comfort him. Of course, two days later, I was diagnosed with COVID too. But for these lepers, they had no choice but to walk out of their home and live with the other lepers in separate place. Since they could not work, they had to rely on the mercy of others. So they often sat on the side of the road as passengers, the travelers, they, they go their way and they're begging for mercy from distance. As Leviticus describes, the lepers had to wear torn clothes and shave all the hair uh, on their head. They had to cover their upper lips and, and shout in distance whenever they see people, unclean, unclean, signaling, you should avoid me. Please don't come near me. Just like this COVID virus did not care whether you're white or black or you're rich or poor, man or women. Leprosy didn't care who people were. They were spreading among everyone. In Second Chronicles in the Hebrew Bible, King Uzziah, he became the king when he was only 16 years old. But he was later struck by leprosy. And he had to live in a separate room for the rest of his life. These past three years, Many of us have been learning on what it's like to be stuck in our home, in our room, and not being able to interact with others, except maybe when we are on Zoom meetings. If we felt lonely, that's what people with a chronic illness often experience in their lives. Being alone, no one being able to understand what they're going through. Or patients could be the ones who often build a wall around them because they feel vulnerable to some harsh words about the people blaming them for the cause of their misery. Richard Friedman, who is a medical doctor, shares a story about meeting a young patient only in his 30s, but he had been suffering from depression since he was young. He was weeping at Friedman's office because he's a therapist accused him, saying that he, the patient, was the one who did not want to get better. And he just felt like he was a worthless person. What were these lepers wrestling with every day in their lives? Were they missing their, their families, their children? Were they concerned about their aging parents wondering if they would be able to see them while they're still alive? Or were they worried if they could not pay the mortgage, the banks would come after them and maybe their children or their self or their family and hold them responsible? 
Worst of all, just like the three friends of Job who accused Job that he had done something, must have done something wrong in the sight of God to suffer all this misery and loss. Were they also cursing and blaming themselves, saying that it was God who was punishing them with the leprosy? What hope did they have? And the only hope they could turn to was Jesus who was passing by their village. So they came to the table, uh, they came to the public, probably shouting, unclean and unclean. And they were yelling at others, so others would stay away from them. And they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. As Jesus heard their plea, he was touched and moved in his heart. And he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Jesus said these words because the lepers were supposed to show their bodies to the priest to make sure that they were now ritually clean so that they could save to go back to their families and their community. Upon hearing these words of Jesus, these lepers show incredible faith by walking toward their hometowns. And as they were walking, they realized they were, they were made clean. So what do they do? The Bible does not specify, but I imagine in my head that maybe their walking turned into running, leaping in joy, thinking that they're going to see their children, their spouse, their parents, and their friends. But they were one of the, the ten lepers turned around, and he walked back to see Jesus, praising God, the Bible said, with a loud praise and voice. And he prostrated himself before Jesus and thanked him. Jesus said, oh, weren't there like 10 of you guys, and where is everyone? Jesus looked at him, and he saw that he was Samaritan, mixed blood, between Gentiles and Jews, people who had a, a different site, claiming that's the place to worship God, and the people, these people were considered outside the reign of God, the salvation. Maybe he's just someone who was considered unclean even before he got his leprosy, cast out from the society, being blamed for the cause and misery suffering, but he is the one who gets it responding with gratitude. He's the one who turned around to come back and gave thanks to God. And Jesus said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, he said. I mean, Jesus does not condemn the other nine lepers who did not turn around and came back to, to say thank you to Jesus. He does not cancel these healings for those nine lepers. But Jesus tells this Samaritan leper that your faith has made you well. Healing and restoration are not just physical. They're also relational. Being grateful to God and being grateful to those who love and, and care for us. So Henry Nowen, he says that gratitude is the effort 
to acknowledge that all I am and all I have is given to me as a gift of love from God. Back in January 2021, I was planning to, to visit Kay. She's a 90-year-old woman from my former church. But that morning, I was informed that she was not feeling well and she was not up to a visit. So I called her and waited a week and I called her the following week and she said, oh, I owe you a pastor visit. My doctor saw the new x-ray and he thinks that I have a cancer. And I was first angry and confused, but I decided not to have a chemotherapy. I'm at peace now. I've had a good life. I have such a wonderful family. I have many good friends, Sarah, Martha, and Mary, who call me all the time. I have such a wonderful church family. I am grateful and happy person, she said. Indeed, gratitude was what defined her life. You know, every time I went to see her at the nursing home, it's like she's glowing in her face, and it's like she's seeing me and she's seeing Jesus. I'm so grateful that you're here to see me today. And I was asking her, like, you know, how's, uh, how are you treating you at this uh, nursing home? And she said, oh, the staff here, so they're wonderful. And the food here is great. When she was hospitalized, I could see her, and she said the same thing. The nurses and doctors here are just wonderful. They, they love me. They take care of me. And the food here is top-notch. Everywhere she went, she was just grateful knowing that it was God who extended another day for her, giving her blessing and those who surrounded her with the love and care. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul does not say that we need to give thanks for everything. Of course, we cannot be thankful for this pandemic that has claimed countless lives. We cannot be thankful for war and hunger and poverty. We cannot be thankful for cancer. But in all circumstances, we can still find a reason to be grateful and give thanks to God. It's because our relationship with God is not founded on the instability of our lives or volatility of this world. Instead, our relationship with God is grounded in love of God, God has the, what God has done for us through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. Our relationship with God is built in our response to God that we are grateful for who you are and what you created us to be. Dearly beloved, are you feeling lonely? Do you feel separate from others because of your pain? The pain that others cannot understand? Or do you feel exhausted or alone as you provide care for your family or friends who is ill or not well today? <laughs> 
And we all come to Christ this morning and say that Jesus had mercy on us. And we are assured by God's grace that God is surrounding us with God's ongoing presence in us. That God is not done with us. And we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit who fills us with God's joy and gratitude. Grateful that we're not alone. As John Wesley said, while drawing his last breath, the best of all is God is with us. That we're not alone. But also, we have God's family, like you and you and me as we gather in Jesus' name. Thanks be to God and God's people say.